Hello and welcome to episode one of 27th Heaven, a podcast about the Angels. Um, I'm Fabian Ardaya, staff writer for The Athletic, covering the Angels, and I'm joined today, or the first episode, the first guest will be Robert Murray, a national insider for Fansided. Robert, how's it going? It's going really well. How are you doing, Fabs? Uh, normally I'll say it's terrible to see you, but I guess in this sort of circumstances, it's good to see you. Good to hear from you always. I know that as a former co-worker of mine at The Athletic, it's always good to hear from you. It was good to sort of interact with you, I guess, even though this is a little bit more of a different platform than usual. Yeah, it's a little different than usual. It's also different hearing you compliment me. I'm not, I'm not used to that, but uh, I'll, I'll definitely take it for sure. Yeah, don't get used to it. It's fine. <laughs> um, so this is obviously a new podcast, new introduction, new system, uh, and I'm sort of new to it too. So we're going to get used to it. And um, we're talking about obviously the Angels, Angels baseball, but also we're talking about our guests. We're going to have a rotating cast of guests uh, to sort of discuss the Angels, discuss things around baseball, uh, discuss some things that aren't involved with baseball all the time, just stuff that's interesting to me as well. Uh, So, Robert, uh, obviously you're someone who is very much plugged in with baseball. I mean, you're involved in terms – you talk to a lot more executives than I do on a regular basis. Um, So, I mean, how did you sort of get – into this how did you sort of become someone who is my age and yet really breaking all kinds of different stuff from fernando tatis signing an extension to random kbo guys getting signed that i have to look up their baseball reference page yeah like for a long story short is i created just a twitter account aggregating news when i was about 16 or 17 and then i chris cotillo was coming up at that age too um, and I saw him start to break news and I was thinking, you know what, if he's doing it, so can I. Um, and I started getting uh, more of a following on Twitter, maybe a couple thousand uh, people and I, some executives, some scouts, uh, agents, players were following along and I would introduce myself over DM and um, it turned into them helping me break news. And as soon as I broke my first signing, which was Boof Bonzer of all people <laughs> signing a minor league deal with the Cleveland Indians, um, the I broke that from a golf course and I basically knew from the rush of that it was a career that I wanted to do. And then it turned into Billy Butler signing a deal with the A's um, and being on MLB network with Ken Rosenthal, Matt Fesker, and Aaron Reynolds uh, to a lot of different signings. And it's allowed me to meet some really cool different people in, in baseball. Um, I work at some really cool places like the athletic. Um, it's, it's been, probably one of the coolest journeys I could have ever imagined. There's obviously been ups and downs and that's for sure, but that, that goes with that, any industry. Um, but I wouldn't trade it for the world and, and all these experiences and the people I've met, it's been probably the journey of a lifetime. And to think it started with MLB 06, the show legend, Booth Bonser, who is Booth. someone who there's always, <laughs> I, I don't know if you play the show growing up. I, I definitely have. And I continue to, there's always like every year there's a couple of different guys like, whose number you just always seem to have. Boop Bonzer was one of them. John Gray a couple of years ago was definitely one of them. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, my, my guy growing up, like he, I dominated with him all the time, even though he wasn't a household name, Joel Zumaya, the, uh, oh, yeah. the old Detroit Tigers reliever. Absolutely. Just owned him. like throwing a hundred and four mile hour fastballs like they're my day job. It's phenomenal. He also uh, once got hurt playing Guitar Hero, which is not something that you have. That, not Probably not an injury that you're going to have uh, a pitcher have nowadays. Um, so, I mean, we've had the, uh, I don't know if you want to call it luxury of living together at some point during spring training. Uh, <laughs> 
but uh, yeah. obviously this is a different spring training uh, for both of us. Yeah. I, I was down there uh, recently. I'm going to be back down there in March, uh, in the middle of March. Uh, you're gonna also going to be down there, but you haven't been down there yet. What has spring training been like for you? And what has the last year of covering baseball really been like for you, knowing I mean, you're not in club S's, you're not talking to these people in the same way that you typically would? Yeah, it's made life a lot more difficult. You've had to get really creative with how you try to figure out how things are, are going on. Um, like in the past, obviously, as you said, we would stay together and we would go to the, our different facilities each day um, and we get to talk to all these people face to face. And I've been fortunate enough where I've been able to get some phone numbers and build these relationships where I can ask these people, like, hey, what's going on at this camp or that camp? And it's resulted in getting a, a lot of different info and you can hear about these players that are possibly breaking out, but it's, even though you're somewhat connected over the phone, it doesn't replace the human element of actually being there. Um, like I, I miss those daily interactions because you get to learn a lot more than you, you can, even though you're talking to these guys over the phone. Um, but spring training is typically one of my favorite times of the year. And I know the same thing for you because we would go to the facilities. We would start what pretty early um, in the mornings and never forget, by the way, that I ended up waking you up when my trout signed an extension. That's true. Jeff Passan was very rude to tweet that out <laughs> at 7 a.m. on an Angels off day. Well, actually, it wasn't an off day. It was uh, Angels were a late start that day. So I was getting ready to sleep in. I, baseball writers are not typically morning people and then they have to be one for two months out of the year uh in spring training and of course the one day that we get to sleep in was the day that mike trout signed the richest contract in baseball history yeah that was absolutely nuts because i was i was one foot out the door and i'm i get the alert on my phone saying that trout signed an extension or he had agreed to one and i'm in, debating internally like do i wake up fabian do i because he's gonna be mad at me but it's like you know what this is my freaking trout uh, let's do it. But like some of that stuff, just going to the facilities each day, uh, going to Chipotle and Nectar after most of these days. Of all places in Arizona, you chose to have the most chain interactions, like the most chain restaurant tea Arizona places ever to really have be your spots in Arizona. It's uh, great, but also disappointing. It, you know, it's actually on brand because back in Sheboygan here, all we have like our two best restaurants, actually three of them, Applebee's, Buffalo Wild Wings, and Texas Roadhouse. Like, how sad is that? I mean, uh, Texas Roadhouse <laughs> slaps. The rules are great. Also, Applebee's is the go-to fancy restaurant in Friday Night Lights. So it has that going for it, I guess. But uh, yeah, you. Uh, I'm glad that you're stepping out of your comfort zone a little bit on things. Yeah, I like big shout out to Fabian for that one because without him, I would be stuck in the Stone Age. That is not even a lie. That's yeah, yeah. He's 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 helped me grow up for sure. So back to baseball because I mean this is a, ostensibly a baseball podcast. Doesn't always have to be. <laughs> uh, we're still figuring that out. It's episode one. It's early, but uh, we're. I mean, going into a spring training, I know you mentioned it specifically like this is the best time to really talk to you guys you get to see you guys i remember distinctly getting like a lot of these first looks at guys like it's the first time i got to see jordan adams who's a one of the top prospects in the angel system right now this was the first chance i got to see him was on a backfield i got it's probably the only time i get to see a guy like kevin Maiton, who was a guy who signed for a ton of money and didn't really pan out it's not necessarily like i'm gonna see these guys uh, in big league camp all the time 
And it's a chance to really see all these people that you typically never see. You get to see scouting directors. You get to see player development people. And I think that's such a valuable time. Obviously, like in the interest of safety, like that's, that takes precedent, right? Especially right now, uh, as people start to get vaccinated, as things start to open up, and hopefully by the end of the year, we're closer to normal. Uh, but it's definitely a different feeling for spring training this year. And we'll we'll see what it looks like. We'll see what covering baseball looks like. Uh, uh, obviously, it's, we're going to see what baseball winds up looking like at the end of this because this is going to be a really big year. I mean, this is going to be players are still adjusting to COVID protocols. They're still trying to deal. At, at this point, they'll be like 18 months into this by the time this offseason rolls around and then all of a sudden they're discussing a new collective bargaining agreement. Like how much of a feel do you have for like how players have been viewing this sort of stretch? I'm sure part of it was like they thought was going to happen. They knew it was going to come and obviously big part of it, like a massive part of it. They didn't. Yeah. Like last year, I don't, I don't think anybody could have seen that coming. It just basically hit and then we were all being sent home and, and baseball was just put on hold. Um, and last season, from a lot of the different people that I talked to, um, it was an absolute culture shock. I had someone who's pretty prominent in the industry who talks to a lot of different players and deals with them on a, on a daily basis say that uh, mental health was a huge thing that was a, a struggle for him and his players and um, and Angel a Sox, lot of these Andleton Simmons. Yeah, I mean, like, sorry not to yeah. cut you off. Like, that's something ain't like the Angels like we're firsthand noticed that after the fact, after he opted out of the season, like with a week to go, obviously that stuff didn't come out till the spring, but this was obviously something that was affecting Simmons and it was affecting other players as well. Yeah. And, and from a couple of the teams I talked to, it, it affected a lot of their players and it, it had a huge impact on their season. Um, and, and going into this year, I think getting away from baseball, uh, having that off season where they can just, disconnect was really important and a lot of these teams they're obviously still implementing these protocols but they're a lot more familiar with them they're slowly starting to I don't want to say loosen things up but um, I mean it's it's not as bad as or is not as strict maybe that's not the right way to phrase it but um, a lot of these players and coaches and whoever else are in these bubbles are a lot more comfortable in them. And they think that they're going to allow themselves to be more free. Um, and it's, it's going to end up being a lot better environment this year than it was last year. But obviously this season comes with a lot more concerns uh, ramping up from 60 to 162 games, what these pitching staffs are going to look like. Uh, and then, as you said, the collective bargaining agreement and on each side, it's basically a realization that a deal is not going to be reached before it expires. And there's a lot of tension on each, on each side. Um, and then everything that was said by the Seattle Mariners executive recently, uh, or former executive, I should, should say, uh, really kind of escalated that tension. And I don't think tension's always been pretty high, but I don't think it's been this high um, for quite a while. And it's just the, the next few months to however long this ends up playing out is going to end up being really, really interesting and it could impact the game going forward. Yeah. I don't think uh, we've had anything like this quite in our lifetimes, which is admittedly not very long, but it's still, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think we're, we're both, babies. We were both yeah. born, I think after the strike in 94. Uh, so yeah, yeah uh, shifting gears a little bit. I mean, the angels obviously are going to come into this year um, 
sort of in the same position they've been in uh, since I started covering them in 2018. And even before then, I mean, basically since 2014, it's been this position. Uh, now this their third general manager they've had since that last playoff run, their third manager. Uh, a lot of new stuff, but also a lot of the same. I mean, what's your sort of, as someone who maybe isn't following them every single day or isn't necessarily like covering them actively, you're sort of talking throughout the league. I mean, what's sort of your sort of view and sort of what our executives saying about where the angels are at going into this year? The, the prevailing thought is that there's a lot of really intriguing pieces on this team because obviously you have Mike Trout, who's generational talent, probably one good. of the best. Players. He's definitely good. Yes. Yeah. I, I think that's a very in-depth analysis by you. I, I, I don't think I would argue that. <laughs> and then you have Anthony Rendon and you have David Fletcher, who is a God in, in angels land. Um, of course um, you have some really talented players there, but there's also a lot of concerns with their pitching and whether there's enough, de- or enough depth to get through the season. Um, and, they're still looking. Um, I know you reported that um, on the athletic pretty recently and the, the top option, Jake Odorizzi is off the board now, and there's not really a lot of intriguing options out there that are available for them. Maybe they look at something over trade, but I can't see any team really being too interested in trading off their major league roster, unless you're the Colorado Rockies, which they do actually have some good pieces. Um, Including John Gray, sticking- who got mentioned earlier on this episode. <laughs> See, exactly. It's all coming full circle now, Fobs. But like, if we're talking about the Angels and what their future looks like, I think there are some positive signs. Uh, I think their front office is a lot better than it was last off or last off season. Uh, even though I think Billy Epler was a very good GM, even though the, the public thought isn't exactly like that. Uh, there's some stuff that happened behind the scenes that not great. Um, but he's got uh, Zach Manassian, he's got Gene Watson, he's got Ray Montgomery, he's got a really good-looking front office right now, and they're just going to continue to build that. But they got a lot of work to do because you're looking at a team that has a future Hall of Fame player. I don't think that's up for discussion at all. Um, and they have a little early him. for David Fletcher. I don't know. It's a little early for him. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, – wait, okay, who would you take, Fletcher or Mike Trout, Fobbs? Uh, I'll I'll say Mike Trout for now. <laughs> <But> if we're <laughs> if we're talking about uh, not getting Mike Trout to the playoffs in however many years, um, and that, that that's a pretty that's a that's an organizational failure is what that is, and that's on the front office to change that. And I think they've done some things that are smart, but they also ultimately have to get them there. And I think that's going to re- revolve around their pitching. Going back to Odorizzi, I know I reported that, I mean, they were had checked in on him. Uh, I know that they were obviously one of the teams involved throughout. I mean, what? how close do you feel like the Angels were, especially when you see what the price tag wound up being for Houston? I mean, how big of a blow is that, not just to not get him, but like to have a team in your division who was potentially losing arguably their top starter going and yeah. sign him? Yeah, that's it's, – it's a – yeah, they never really were close to signing him from what I can gather. I think they were interested, but at a certain price. And even though they, the Astros signed him for a, a pretty reasonable rate, um, I don't think the Angels were willing to pay that much. Um, and it, it's tough watching them go to a division rival, especially, as you said, once they lose one of their top starters and then potentially another one uh, with Forrest Whitley. Um, it, the Astros were vulnerable, and 
and uh, the Angels could have pounced and added a player that could have been really useful to the Astros. But um, that I think the Angels might end up regretting that one. I think there's a couple other teams that could really pursue Chico Rizzi, like one of them being the Cardinals. I thought that made a ton of sense for them. Um, but the, the Angels have a plan that they don't want to commit too much money to the future. And I think we're going to talk about it later with their one-year deals and, um, and how they've been really emphasizing that this winter. Um, there's a, a clear plan in place to have long-term flexibility. And I think that might have impacted it. And sort of going back to what that means for the Astros. I mean, there's another guy that they're probably possibly getting back to this year at some point. We don't know what it's going to look like and we don't know what role he's going to be in, but Justin Verlander is coming back off Tommy John surgery. Uh, where do the angels stand in that division to you? I know obviously Houston got a little bit worse. Obviously you lose George Springer, you get worse. Uh, the A's yeah. lost a lot of free agents, although they did rally over the last uh, couple of weeks of the off season to really add pieces. I mean, those are the two teams that were primarily finishing ahead again of the angels last year. I know the Mariners technically did as well. Uh, where do the angels sort of fit into that division picture in your eyes? For me right now, they slide into second. I, I think the A's, as you said, they rallied late, but when you lose talented players like Marcus Simeon and uh, Tommy LaStella, and you also lose uh, uh, Liam Hendricks, I think those are three pieces that are really hard to, to replicate and try to replace. Uh, Trevor Rosenthal is going to end up being a decent replacement for, for Hendricks. Don't get me wrong, but he's not Hendricks. So even though the Angels, as I said earlier, they have holes in their pitching staff, both in the rotation and the bullpen, um, I, I definitely think they are slotted behind the Astros and uh, they may need to add a couple of pieces during the season if they're actually in contention for the division to actually be able to compete um, and overtake the Astros. But I, I'm, I'm pretty confident in saying they're number two right now in the division with the A's being maybe a close third. How much do you feel like them not maybe being closer to signing Odorizzi or not signing Odorizzi? How much do you feel like that plays a role in it? Like the ability to, as the season goes on, you could sort of see if they're in contention. Maybe more trade possibilities open up. Uh, they're able to make a move, maybe maybe able to add someone. Uh, I know that Artie Moreno has spent in the past, but he hasn't quite spent past the luxury tax payroll. I think the only time he's crossed that threshold was 2004, which was his first season as owner. How much do you feel like that's something that plays a factor into why maybe they didn't land at Odorizzi and what this summer could look like if the Angels are in the hunt. Yeah, I, I think that absolutely played a factor for sure because you want to obviously stay away from that luxury tax. It feels like that's something that uh, is something a lot of these teams are talking about, especially the Astros. And, and they had that concern and they even signed Odorizzi. Um, but having that flexibility for this year and then the long term, I think is going to end up being – the most important thing because I don't want to call this a rebuild for the angels because it's not. Um, but they also, they want to win today, but they also want to win in the future and they got to weigh the short-term risks with the long-term risks. And maybe a guy like Odorizzi doesn't fit in that picture. Maybe there's a guy at the deadline that um, is available that they wouldn't have been able to acquire if they did get Odorizzi. It's, it's something all these teams have to weigh. I'm sure they really were interested in Odorizzi because he's a, a very good player. He dealt with injury last year, of course. Um, but the Angels want to make sure they have the right pieces. And I think that's something that 
um, the front office is, is being very conscious of because you don't want to have these one-year deals and that you end up signing these guys to. Like, uh, I know we texted about earlier with Matt Harvey and uh, wait, who are some of the other ones that you, that you mentioned? Uh, I mean, there's a list. I mean, I can go off. I, just 2019 alone, it was Matt Harvey, Trevor K. Hill, Justin Boer, uh, Jonathan Lucroy, and Cody Allen, uh, which was – 35 yeah. plus million for I think it was negative two war or something like that combined. And then that's even before going into like Julio Tehran last year and stuff like that. Yeah, that's that's exactly that's exactly what you want to avoid. I mean, I'm not saying that Odorizzi is going to be like those guys, don't get me wrong, but um, you want to have these moves be calculated and also allow you to have long term and short term flexibility. And I think them not signing Odorizzi gives them that kind of flexibility if they do find a player that they want to let or that they want to add at the deadline i think the big thing and i think it's a fair criticism uh but it's also very early to see i mean it's just how this is different than what the angels have done for the last half decade for the most part it's been i mean the rebuild on the fly was sort of billy epler's uh sort of mantra for how he wanted to build the angels and i mean it worked somewhat i mean they were able to remain relatively competitive for the most part uh, within that range of they can maybe sneak into the playoffs if a couple of things go right. They didn't have the depth they needed to be able to make it go right. Uh, but mm-hmm. the farm system uh, got out of the basement in a sense. It still is not quite rebounded. It's not like it's a top five system by any means. I think mm-hmm. Keith Law had him 23rd on the athletic, but also said like on pure talent alone, they could be in the top 10 possibly. Uh, just about developing them. And that's something that they need to continue to work on in this new regime. But um, I guess I'm just – that's something I want to be mindful of. I want to sort of keep an eye on this as I cover the team this year. Uh, it's just sort of what is different about – I mean, they're still not tearing down. Doesn't even, doesn't seem like Artie Moreno ever wants to tear down, which is fair, especially when you have the best player on the planet. And now also when you have an Anthony Rendon type of player. Um, but also it's really hard if you're not going to cross the luxury tax threshold. Uh, you're not really going to – and you're not investing in scouting the way that the, some of your opponents are, as we saw with how they treated scouts uh, last summer. And when they're not really fully diving into some of the player development resources, I mean, they're not like investing in player development, like even the Rays or like the Yankees or the Dodgers or some of these teams really are. So, I mean, what what is it that's going to make the Angels different than their competition other than having Mike Trout? I think that's the going to be the big barrier that's going to continue to bother the angels for years to come yeah and as you said that's that's been bothering them and that's a huge reason why they haven't been in the playoffs and in developing these players i cannot like some of these homegrown players that they have they obviously are super talented i think joe adele even though he struggled last year um is going to end up being a really good major league player and you also have a guy like brandon marsh in the minors who's going to be good but it's player development there besides those two is something that has been a real gripe from people in the organization. They think that can be something that they can really improve upon. Um, and it's, it's something I've heard from, from multiple people there. Um, I, I'm sure that it's going to improve because I, I would imagine a big focal point for Manassian when he was, um, when he was interviewing for the job was improving all these different areas in the organization. I'm pretty sure he touched on it in his press conference too. Um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, And when they eventually figure out those answers and they can kind of, I mean, they've already started doing it with 
incorporate or basically becoming the Atlanta Braves of the West. Um, if they can continue to incorporate those philosophies, I think they're going to be in a much better position to be able to, to actually get Trout back to the playoffs. But until they get those answers, that's going to be what's what holds them back, even though they have all these extremely good players. It's just, it's a very frustrating thing. And um, it also kind of reminds me of a story that Jason Stark recently wrote about how, I mean, it's not a, like a direct perfect comparison, but Tom Brady has gone to all these different championships and, and here's Mike Trout who's just sitting there. It's just, it's uh, a tale of two sports and it's, it's pretty bizarre. Yeah, it is. And I think uh, the whole writing Mike Trout missing the playoff narrative, I mean, it's not necessarily narrative. It's just fact at this point, but uh, it still is. Uh, it, it gets old in a sense, trying to have to rewrite different ways of telling the same story every single year, which has pretty much been what the angels have been for the last half decade. All right. I think something that we're going to incorporate with this podcast now is going to be, uh, we're going to take mailbag questions, uh, sort of cap off each episode. And so we're going to do three off the bat right now. And some of these questions are also going to be featured in my mailbag that's going to be published on the athletic this week. So you guys will get a chance to maybe have a more fleshed out answer there. In addition to on the podcast here with Robert. So our first question, uh, we're going to go a little bit more into sort of something we've already talked about. Uh, It's from Jarek B and it said John Capino's words at the end of last season that quote, something is wrong in our organization and quote, you have to look in the mirror and find out we're telling in your view, what are the angels doing differently now versus in the past? I guess something that's like, it's early to tell. So if you want to say that there's things that they should be doing, obviously that's something that's probably worth touching upon. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what I want to say here. Cause I mean, obviously player development's a big one. Um, hmm. It's a good question, actually. Boy, that's hard to like, it's hard to figure out cause it's so fresh. It is. It's so fresh. I think that we're still in spring training. We don't, we're not even in the clubhouse, so we can't even really tell that sort of stuff. Uh, yeah. But so, at least, like, yeah. how I view it, it's sort of like what we've talked about. I mean, it's it's sort of building, like, investing. It means investing from ownership level down, and it's more than just into the payroll. It's more than just into yeah. a stadium project that they're working on now, which Artie Moreno said in 2019 was sort of a separate bucket from the big league roster or big league operation. So... I mean, they're going to have to continue to spend. Uh, it's going to have to be spending in scouting, which is something obviously they haven't. They, they sort of cut there first when it ter- came to the pandemic. Uh, and it's going to be player development. And I think overall there's some stuff that like in the organization that they're going to have to do just do differently. Uh, I wonder how much of that is going to fall on Artie Moreno. Yeah, that's like, as you basically said there, Fobbs, it's – a lot of it just comes down to him and what he's willing to let Manassian and what or and all of his lieutenants do. Um, because that's been something he's really handcuffed his guys in the past with. Um, there's been multiple deals that have been nixed by Moreno. Um, I mean, we, we've, we know of a couple of them. Uh, there's, there's more that have not been reported. Um, I'll leave you guys with that teaser, okay. but um he he needs to allow Manassian to do his job properly, and that involves imp- or improving different parts of the organization. Player development is one of them that we really talked about. 
um, and just scouting and, and improving their methods because that's been another gripe in the organization. Um, and it's it all comes down to that. Like we don't know how much he's done to improve these units just because as you said, it's it's so early in spring and we don't have this access, but the early signs for what they're trying to do have been positive just because some of the players they've added have been smart, good ads. Um, but I like the direction that they're heading in, but there's still a lot of time waiting for, uh, for a firm answer on that one. Daniel P asks, what is the strategy of filling the roster with so many one-year contracts? Of course, the angels, I think added seven, their first seven big league additions this off season were either guys who are in the first and only, or in the last year of their contracts, uh, Aaron Sleggers is the only guy who is not. I mean, he has multiple years of control. He's just a re- he's an optionable reliever. Uh, but the rest of them uh, were all signed to one-year deals or are on the last year of their deal, be it Jose Iglesias, Rysel Iglesias, Alex Claudio, uh, Jose Quintana, Alex Cobb, Kurt Suzuki, and Dexter Fowler. Yeah, like it's something that we I know we have texted about even today, uh, but there's no such thing as a bad one year deal. Well, the angels are on the other line of that call yeah, uh, in recent bad. years. <laughs> yeah, they've had some not pretty one year deals, but it doesn't impact them long term. Um, and I, I think that's something that the organization wants to to really do is if they want to have this flexibility where they're not tied down to anybody long term, just so they can have a lot more money to spend in the future um, and, and spend it wisely. Of course, you don't want to just reckless, recklessly spend it. Um, but filling out the roster with these kind of guys, as you're trying to improve different parts of your organization, even in the minors, I think it's a smart move by them. Um, I know you ended up mentioning something over text. Um, I can't remember exactly what you said, but I thought it was a really well thought out point by you. Um, I mean, there's just not a lot of multi-year deals being signed period right now. That's that's it. That's exactly it. And that's the state of the game right now is it's basically a one year deal kind of market. And you even see some of these guys who are signing for multi-year deals. Older is one of them. Jackie Bradley's another. In the past, uh, these teams would have been all over these players on those kind of contracts. And instead, they have to settle with these with these teams or with these contracts that are bargain bin kind of deals. I I've yeah, it's the state of the game in terms of what the contracts are looking like. Not pretty, even though we've seen Fernando Tatis sign his monster deal. Um, but it, the Angels signing all these guys for one-year deals is one. It's it, it allows them long-term flexibility, but two, it's also just the state of the game. Daniel P. asks, what is your take on why year after year the Angels never get the pitching they need when it is so obvious to everyone else? I think there is a certain uh anger behind that question which is fair it's understandable <laughs> given uh, that i mean i think uh multiple people multiple people have pointed out that by fangraphs uh war i think over the last half decade the angels starting pitching has been worse than any position group has been relative to the rest of the league uh during that span like any position group has been the angels starting pitching uh so i mean it's been a problem for a while and it's been a while for them to really address it yeah it has and it's some of it's for lack of effort and some of it's not because I, they were firmly involved in the Garrett Cole sweepstakes yep. uh, a couple of years ago. And they also had that trade for Ross Stripling, uh, which uh, he, he had a nice tenure with the angels. What was it like a 36 hour tenure? 
it was it was a week it was a week it was enough time oh, it was for, a week? yeah it was enough time for like that story to go up sort of sit for a while i think i wrote something about like what this overall means like a, a day two story that went up for a while and and then all of a sudden like the trade just never happened uh Artie Moreno pulled out and the rest is history ross stripling is now in toronto jock stripling i uh, jock peterson jock stripling, <laughs> sorry he's in chicago and luis ronjifo still in anaheim so yeah so the angels won the trade is what is what you're saying yeah yeah dodgers got a world series out of it though so i guess i think they're doing yeah. fine yeah, you got to see both sides, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, like if we're going back to the Angels for a sec here, it's it's they've pursued those guys. They were never really in on Trevor Bauer. It didn't seem like yeah, they were. Before. No, and um, and they've also had, as I said before, some of these other deals that were that Moreno pulled out of that involved pitchers. Um, it's but they've also targeted the wrong players and on the wrong kind of contracts. It's Harvey. It's uh, Julio Teron, it's uh, a lot of these different players that just didn't pan out. Um, and it's it's left the organization in a huge bind because it's meant not going into the playoffs with Trout, which I've said multiple times already. Um, and it's left the, the, the rotation with just a huge hole. I, Dylan Bundy obviously worked out. I thought that was a very smart move, um, which Epler deserves credit for, and rightfully so. But there was not enough of those kind of trades that were done um, that could have really helped them in the future. But that's now what Manassian has to do. And that's I, I think he did a pretty good job with that, with Jose Quintana. I thought that was a very smart move. Having seen him just absolutely torture the Brewers day in and day out, um, he's, a, he's a very talented pitcher. I thought that was a smart move because it was, what, one year for – Eight like million, seven, eight, was, eight million bucks. Eight million, yeah, cheaper than it's just less money than Harvey got, less money than Cahill got, less money than Tehran got, which is amazing to me. And it was some of the, like there's some of the deals this offseason and all the Braves signed. Uh, Drew uh, Smiley, was, I think one year. Drew, yeah, Drew Smiley getting more money than Jose Quintana. I thought that was one of the bigger stunners of the offseason. Um, I, I, I will not doubt Alex Anthopoulos and Drew Smiley when he's with the Brewers. Uh, they raved about him. They thought they had fixed his. Wow, that was weird. Um, they had they, they thought they had fixed his career, um, and they were really optimistic. And then he ended up leaving the organization. And I mean, obviously, he got eleven million. But if we're doing side by side of players here, I would obviously take Quintana for eight million over Smiley. Maybe I eat crow on that statement, but right now I feel pretty comfortable saying that. And I guess following up that question, this will be the last question of pod. I mean, it'll be something that's going to be an issue for the Angels this winter even more. Like, I feel like they feel pretty confident about the overall depth. Maybe they're missing a top-end guy, obviously. I think that's been very clear and apparent. But, like, they have a little bit more depth this year than maybe they have in years past, at least on paper. Obviously, your depth lasts only as long as guys stay healthy. Uh, But they're top – four of their top starters are – Four of the guys who were currently in the rotation are going to be free agents after this year. I mean, Bundy, Andrew Heaney, Jose Quintana, Alex Cobb. How does that get better? I mean, Reed Demers is probably going to be sliding into the rotation. I guess you can sort of assume that maybe Patrick Sandoval, Jaime Maria, one of those guys takes a step forward. Maybe you see what Chris Rodriguez looks like, but like there's no, you don't, you're not necessarily in a better spot. Uh, you're probably taking more flyers than you were this year. How does it get better this winter for the Angels? 
That is the million dollar question. And I would imagine, as you said, their rotation in the future is going to re- revolve around Detmers. I would imagine if, if Bundy has anything remotely close to what he produced last year, he'll be back. Um, Cause he would seem like a, a top priority. And then the rest of the guys, I mean, you can make the case from staying, but also not, I, I don't know exactly what Quintana's status will look like. Um, obviously it depends on how he pitches this year, but he's also got the Joe Madden connection from Chicago, which does not hurt. Um, I haven't really taken a look at what free agency looks like and what the arms will be available for next year. But if the Indians want to have stability in the rotation, they're going to have to do what a lot of these teams that are successful for long stretches of time have done. And that's draft and develop. Um, and it comes down to the player development and, and maximizing that talent. And that's something they have not proven. And it's going to just, it's, whether or not they ultimately figured that stuff out is going to determine or is going to go a long way in determining what this franchise looks like going forward. But um, it's not going to be easy because they don't have a lot of those pieces in the organization right now. Um, but Detmers, as you said, is one, but after that, I don't know if you can really give me an inspiring name in the minor leagues for, for their starters. Um, yeah, I, I throw Chris Rodriguez in there as well. Obviously, the health injury, like the health history, is scary, but like the stuff yeah. is there. So I think, but I think, yeah. it, like it, we'll have to see what it looks like over a course of a full season. Of course, like this spring has been very exciting, and stuff looks really good, and he feels really healthy. But obviously, like we'll see what it looks like when it's built up. But uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, and I mean, it's a lot of really common threads. It's a lot of player development. It's a lot of. Uh, homegrown yeah. talent uh, making up for depth that the angels haven't had. And I, it seems like it's been a common thread and it's going to be probably one of the bigger question marks uh, for the organization going forward. Uh, so, I mean, thank you, Robert. Uh, thank you for being the inaugural guest here on 27th heaven. Uh, that will do it for our first episode. Uh, as always, uh, make sure to check us out and check out my work at the athletic. I will be here every week uh, discussing with a rotating panel panel of guests about the angels and yeah thank you for tuning in 